But growing up, we fought all the time. And so I was thinking this week about some of the things that I fought with my siblings over. So one of the first things I remembered was that I decided when I was young that I loved cats simply because my sister liked dogs. Now, despite the fact that I was allergic to cats and I thought that they were mean because they always scratched you, I was determined that they were my favorite. So much so that I didn't even know I was a dog person until I went to college because I was so adamant about my love for cats. Um, we often fought about breathing each other's air in the car. So when I was mad at my sister, I would like lean over and breathe her air and tell her. My parents loved it. We fought about got, who got to sit next to who at the dinner table, who got to pick the music or movie to watch, or who left their trash out that needed to be picked up, because obviously none of us had left out the trash. It was probably my parents. Um, we also argued about who was my parents' favorite. Now, this one is still sometimes debated at holidays, but no matter what my siblings tell you, it's me. Um, one of my favorites that I can laugh at now is who got to play Moses when we reenacted the Ten Commandments. Now, this seems like that would be a pretty rare occurrence, but we were born to two church planters, and that was on the list of movies that was acceptable to watch, so we actually watched it quite a bit. We fought over all kinds of things. I spent a lot of time in timeout growing up. But sometimes my siblings and I wouldn't talk for a while, and at the end of the day, we were still family. As I got older, I've come to recognize that maybe my younger siblings were more than just annoying kids who made my life difficult. I began to value the gifts that they brought to the table. My brother can fix any computer problem or resolve any security issue that I have. He will always run a background check for me, even when I don't ask for it. You can ask Kayla about that when we started dating. And he has a big heart that reaches out to the less fortunate around him and serves them in ways that they can't help themselves. And my sister is an amazing baker, my unofficial nurse, and my dog's favorite sitter. When I need her, she'll drive down to Houston to be present. I talk to both of them regularly, especially when I need help. It turns out two of the people I trust most were alongside me the whole time growing up. When we come to faith in Christ, we are welcomed into a family. Paul is in the midst of dealing with issues that have been negatively affecting the Corinthians' time of worship together, affecting their church body. One of these issues was how the Corinthians approached their spiritual gifts and the spirit in which they used their gifts. As they work through the details, Paul shares a beautiful image of what it means to be welcomed into the family of God. So let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, 
that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. The word of the Lord. So right off the bat, Paul creates this beautiful image of the church. He takes a human body, one that God created, and uses it to show the truth that when we come to faith in Jesus, we are united as one family with every other Christian across the world and throughout time. We see this most clearly in our local churches. The people we gather with every week to worship God and break bread together. But the truth is that the body of Christ, the church, is made up of everyone who believes in Jesus. There is only one church made up of all the congregations that span the globe. And it's not just about one church. Paul so also Paul also reminds us that there is one spirit that brings about a kind of unity that eliminates ethnic and social differences. Therefore, everyone shares a common initiation by the Spirit through which we can achieve a level of oneness. We become one body. Everyone is baptized into the same family. I don't want to skip over the really good news that Paul shares with us here. That news is, no matter what your past holds, no matter if you were born a Christian or if you're new to church, if you're rich or poor, faithful or lost, 
those happy and those grieving, those who are certain of their faith and those who are filled with doubts. Every age, race, gender, gender and identity that you might carry, Jesus welcomes, welcomes us into the family of God. The same God who knows us and sees every part of us invites us to be a part of the body. What a gift to be so fully seen and known and so fully loved. And we share that in common as we share life with our fellow believers in the family of God. But Paul goes beyond the idea of oneness. In Christ, we experience the paradox of one and of many. One body, many parts. Unity does not exclude diversity. They must exist together. So, Paul uses the example of the human body. We may be of the same body, but we are not all the same cookie-cutter person. Just like a body has a lot of different parts, with each having a different function, so does the church. We are all different. Some of us might be hands, getting to work and serve the world around us in the name of Jesus. Some of us are eyes who see the needs and the ways that God is already at work in the world. Some of us are ears, hearing the cries of the broken and weary and listening to those who don't feel heard. And maybe some of us are pinky toes. Our gifts may seem small, but we are really important in keeping the body balanced and upright. And we are all part of one body together. The parts of the body are interdependent. There are many parts, but it's not like a box full of rocks or a deck of cards. They're organically related. The pain that one part experiences is felt by all the other parts. We suffer together and we rejoice together. It's the ecology of who we are. Paul reminds us that even if our gifts are different, everyone is equal in the family of God. One of the most beautiful aspects of the church is that God has gifted each of us differently. When we decide to follow Jesus, we're welcomed into the family and given gifts that help us serve one another. Just like the people in your own family are talented in different ways, so it is with the church. The thing to remember is that we all work together, united in Christ, to serve each other and to grow in our faith together. And what I love in this passage is that God lets us know that God has arranged the parts just as God wants them to be. The giftings that you have, God has designed you to have those gifts. When we long to have a different gift, we can remember that God created you and I exactly the way we are for a reason. We are invited throughout our lives to learn about our gifts and to grow in those gifts so that we can serve the body of Christ and the world around us. It's really easy to see gifts in our leaders and in our mentors, but their gifts are no more valuable than the gifts that you hold. And that's the beauty of this image. When I think of the faces of God's family who have forever impacted my life, many of them are not who you and I might expect. Yes, I think of Mike Cope, the preacher who raised me, 
and Suzetta Nutt, the first woman minister I remember watching and wanting to be like. But I also think of my friend Hope, who has Down syndrome. I was forever having to make sure she didn't take people's snacks because she was so cute people would just give them to her. She was a sneaky one, always getting into trouble. But when she worshiped God, she put all of herself out there, hands up, head back, singing in the top of her lungs in Sunday morning service. Hopi taught me not to take myself too seriously, and her confidence in God's love for her reminded me to accept that love for myself. I think of John Willis, our church candy man growing up. Despite being a well-known and tenured ACU professor, he always had time for the children at church. Every week growing up, I would find him after church to get my piece of candy, a cinnamon gummy bear. But as an adult, I know that there was more going on. John would ask me about the service and tell me that he was praying for me. He would smile and look me in the eyes as he gave me a big hug. John saw me at a time in life when it was easy to feel small. I will never forget senior day at ACU 13 years ago, just before graduation, when the same gift and blessing was bestowed on me again by John as I prepared to move here to Bering. And I think of the quilting club at my church growing up. My junior year, I had a falling out with my youth group, but my parents required me to attend church and stay connected so I could choose other options. I chose a room full of older women who met every week to quilt. But as an awkward teenager who didn't have a place in the church to belong, they welcomed me with open arms. They taught me that, much like a quilt, small actions matter and that God could make beauty out of any scraps. These people, and many more, shaped my faith. And as I look around Bering, it's hard not to see how each one of you is also an essential part of our beautiful and diverse family. I briefly contemplated making what would have become a very grotesque image of a body and putting faces of our Bering family members on it, but then thought again and realized how bad of idea this would be, so you're welcome. But I thought of the minds who have shaped who we are and where we're going, of Edward Fudge, of our Sunday school teachers from our nursery to our kids to our adults. And I thought of the mouths of our church, of worshiping with Bridget as she leads us in singing and Jeff as he proclaims the good news. Mouths like Samira and Noah as they prayed for us daily and of too many to list who encourage one another in love. And then the ears. I thought of our incredible chaplains. For our church our size, we have a lot. They listen and hear and acknowledge God in us and God in our lives. And not only our bearing family, but to the church across the city in hospital rooms. And I thought of the hands. We are a small church, but that list can go on forever. I thought of Antero and Alec and Mary and Tim and the administrative team who keep this building together and the church running week to week. Of Leah and Sam who do every task full of love for each one of us. 
of our sound booth workers and the B team who step up every time we need help. The women who run our encouragement card ministry and the hands that work outside of our building. Our CCSC volunteers as they love our community and the Woodalls as they serve faithfully in South Africa. I thought of our feet, our beloved patriarchs and matriarchs who hold us steady. The Martha Joes and Johns and Dwaynes and Sarah Fays and Buddies and Rods who share their faith and their love and their steady spirit to keep us moving forward in the image of God. And I think of our heart, a tender, special part of the body. Our children and teens who show us joy and resilience and love. I think of Kira, who's shown us how to be brave. Of Jim and Kathy, who show up and let us know that we're seen and loved. Of Noah, who taught us how to love one another. And of our pastoral team, who guides us and cares for us. It is impossible to speak of one body in any sense unless we grant the existence of many parts. Oneness does not mean sameness. Unity does not mean uniformity. We are all different, and we are all valuable to each other and to God. The good news is that the risen Christ has found a concrete, living manifestation among us, and it is in the church. Here, among our community, God is manifested in every moment. And this is why we can speak of oneness only if we recognize our diversity. God gave the church a variety of gifts, services, ministries, offices, and functions. There is one church, but it cannot exist if it has only one function. We have many necessary functions, and it takes every one of us here to accomplish those. None of us can ever think ourselves better than anyone in our family whether that's our local church or the global church. We are all valuable to God and each other. And this is why. Unity is God's desire for us. God wants all of God's children to be one family. When we come to faith in Christ, we are welcomed into one family and one body. Just like our bodies have different parts, the body of Christ does too. And while our parts are different, we are each valuable to each other, to the church, and to God. May you know that you are a distinct and irreplaceable part of the body of Christ.